You are tuned in to the Sparkles and Fairy Lights podcast. Imogen Campbell is your host. Welcome back to season two of the Sparkles and Fairy Lights podcast, and specifically today for the pin ultimate episode of the season. Forgiveness, yet again, will take center stage. We've already determined that it is hard to forgive from the heart, but today we also unpack the following. First, forgiving yourself for indiscretions done unwittingly and the forgiveness required when you have done something knowingly with sometimes reckless abandon. Secondly, quite oddly, we sometimes are mad at God. We find ourselves at odds with Him and strangely feel like we need to forgive Him. Right off the bat, I can tell you what Psalm 51 verse 4 has to say on the issue I quoted. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. In other words, we are the ones who sin against God and sin is the reason forgiveness is essential. That is why Jesus had to come. There was a massive sin problem that had to be dealt with and his life was the ransom. We have no right to feel as though God wronged us. But you know what? All of us are going to spend time on that block, one time or another, feeling that God disappointed us or did us wrong. I'll share more about that later on. Lastly, there is forgiving others who have trampled our trust or broken our hearts. And then we need forgiveness from others. All very challenging, isn't it? Anyone who has ever been betrayed by the people held most dear know a thing or two about struggling with forgiveness. The ever so rude cutting comment or slight, not normally what gets people full of ire. It is the stuff that hurts deep, deep inside, while pain and anger are the inevitable results of that wrongdoing. Think of someone who is innocently condemned for a crime or a bystander seriously injured because someone's political stance has led them to lay a landmine or plant a bomb, or the person who is pushed in front of an oncoming train, experiencing life-altering injuries. The stuff of nightmares, really, and all because of someone else's wrong choices or their reckless mistakes. When someone other than the perpetrator has had to reap the consequences, why should you forgive in the first place? Think about it. If you were in that hapless victim's shoes, how would you respond? What would your automatic response be? Would you be in the mood to hear somebody utter, I am sorry? Even if they were genuinely sorry for what would mean immense suffering, perhaps for, for the rest of that person's life. You see, it is only when we are faced with real consequences of a violation that forgiveness kicks in. Scenarios where there are battle scars and wounds that are sometimes so deep, or situations where severe trauma or immense shock have been experienced, yet the Bible calls us to forgive. Choosing not to forgive also has consequences. I read Matthew 6 verse 14 to 15 to you as follows. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Your own forgiveness from God is on the line then. The very thing that somebody 
has done to harm you could in fact harm you even further if you choose to cherish it in your heart. It may even lead you to a lifetime without God. So will bitterness contort your heart as it leads to idolatry, which Revelation 21 verse 8 condemns and reveals a sin that leads to the second death. Nobody is worth so hefty a price. Choose to forgive, I implore you. I have heard that lack of forgiveness can lead to all kinds of consequences for the body, including depression, heart disease, diabetes, and others. So not only does lack of forgiveness poison your soul, it can slowly eat away at your body too. Once again, the price to pay for lack of forgiveness is quite simply too high. So why do people still decide to pursue this painful and destructive path? Personally, I don't think that they understand the consequences fully. But I know one thing, it is infinitely harder to let go and forgive someone. It can actually feel good to hold on and be held captive. We may even receive pity. But is it worth it in the long run? My answer is no. I do sympathize though, and I realize that it is a process. But as I said in our chat last week, the initial decision to forgive needs to be made, and then the process of dealing with pain will start. Like peeling an onion, there will be many tears and many layers that need to be worked through until the day when the peace I spoke about comes and the past has no hold anymore. But what if you are the offending party? What is the greatest thing you seek when you have offended someone? I'm going to assume that forgiveness ranks high up there, even in a society where we are so hardened and our consciences are seemingly no longer as sensitive. I still believe we require forgiveness from others. Let me start with myself. Years ago, I was responsible for something bad that had happened in our family. I still get flashbacks and wish that I had done things differently. I asked God for forgiveness and I believe that he has granted it to me. Yet often I have to tell myself that I'm forgiven. I know that the devil uses it to get me down when I least expect it. I also know I'm not alone. I am sure that at least some of you can relate to struggling to find forgiveness for something you have done. Often it is done unwittingly too. Otherwise, you would not have done it in the first place. If you knew the consequences, you would simply have acted differently. I agree, some lessons are so very hard. And after you've confessed and sought solace and forgiveness from God, there are also instances where we need to forgive ourselves for things we may have done without meaning to, as happened to me. Or you may even feel like your life didn't turn out like you'd hoped. Big milestones that seemed to come so easily to others, you skipped out on completely. At the time, you had no idea that the chance would never come again. Are you now angry at yourself? At God? Maybe you were lazy lacked vision, lacked opportunity. But if you look back, you know one thing. If you had to do it all again, you'd probably blunder into the same errors again. Not because you willingly erred, but it was all you could do with the information you had at hand. That's why it's so hard. We don't know better sometimes. In my case, lack of experience meant that I was callous to a dying loved one. I was so intent on believing that she would overcome cancer that I refused to, any, to entertain anything to the contrary. I realized afterwards that I should have allowed my mom 
to speak about her cancer journey freely and allow her to express her fears. All rookie mistakes and things that cause sleepless nights one way or another. None of us knows how to navigate life in and of ourselves. To compound this, every day has its own troubles as the Bible teaches in Matthew 6, 34. I'll read it. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. What about forgiving yourself when you are genuinely wrong? You mean to do the crime and you are feeling the consequences. I suppose it depends on what you've done. If you know anything about me and my driving, then it's that I call myself Miss Daisy. After the movie Driving Miss Daisy, I'm a stickler for sticking to the speed limit, even though, sadly, I've been fined for the exact misdemeanor on more than one occasion. The city where I live is known for its nighttime drag racing scene, and I clearly remember the time I got caught up in one of the impromptu races. As they screeched past me, I realized how easily such a race could go wrong, with disastrous consequences for everyone involved, willingly or not. I had previously heard of a time when the speed of the impact had immediately caused a young man to lose his leg. I shuddered at the thought. At the beginning of 2019, a race gone wrong tragically hit the headlines. My heart went out to all affected. The driver had been driving at an insane speed when calamity struck. He'd been egged on by a friend, a fact that only emerged much later. The friend had virtually escaped unscathed. It was the driver who bore the brunt of the accident. Father of two, pushing his car really hard, lost control at that speed, losing both his legs as a result. Heart broke for him. In his mid-twenties, he still had the best years of his life ahead of him. How would he process the trauma? His life would obviously change irrevocably. How would he cope financially as well? Now with limited resources, mounting medical bills, a car, to name just a few. Never would a day pass when a decision he made one fateful Sunday night would not come back to haunt him. Why his story had such a profound effect on me? I can only guess. From the little I read in the media, he was a petrol head. I envisioned him as someone who I assumed watched the Fast and Furious movies and dreamed of speed. As one who had been an ardent Formula One fan decades ago, when Ethan Senna de Silva reigned supreme and was my undoubted absolute favorite, I know how intoxicating it can be. I also understood the folly of youth. How many of us have not made dumb mistakes at least once in our lives? I'm not sure how long he had been racing. What I do know is in that particular fateful night, there was arguably some recklessness involved. But didn't you also do something once, where you thought afterwards, had that gone wrong, the consequences would have been grave, or even the grave. But you were spared, rightly or not, my heart resonated with it. Perhaps it is the memory of wanting to be cool when I was young too. I never was. But with his speed and cool car, he sure was. Anyway, I wondered how he would deal with it. With the flashbacks and also coming to terms with his new life. Um, the silver lining was that nobody else was involved. Although people were calling for criminal charges 
to be brought against him. Again, I thought that the young man had endured more than enough. I have not been privy to more details of his life after the accident, but one thing I do know is that the long process to rebuild his life would start and the painful process of forgiveness. None of it sounds remotely easy in the slightest, and I continue to pray for him. After chatting to you about scenarios where you find yourself in a position where you need to forgive yourself for a heartbreaking consequence as a result of a misstep that you had taken, what about forgiving God? I just mentioned it earlier, why bring it up again? You see, sometimes we blame God for things and feel resentment towards Him and refuse to obey. In my own life, I said, God, why did you allow this to happen? Or if you loved me, then... It seems that when hurt, anger and disappointment fester, we turn to hold vitriol at God or refuse to talk to Him altogether. Deep in our hearts, we start thinking, if He were so loving and all-knowing, surely. And that, dear friends, is a greater recipe for disaster than anything else. If you, like me, have a rebellious streak in you, and you go out deliberately to upset God, the only one who is likely to suffer in the end is yourself. And though God needs no defense, I will ask you something. Are you so obedient to God yourself? Often people who blame God don't even know Him properly. But the converse is also true. The terribly religious feel as though God owes them something for their obedience. And then the questions are, why did He allow this? I'm then so, fill in the blank if you will, if it applies to you. The kind of religious soul who constantly goes off on God for not giving him or her what they want. For questioning God's goodness when, as we say it, bad things happen to good people. I'm glad Jesus put it nicely when he said, no one is good except God. And he, Jesus, should know. The rich young ruler came to Jesus calling him good teacher. But Jesus was quick to refute that statement. The young man, though, thought of himself as good, religious, and pious. He ended up leaving sad because Jesus asked him to give up all he had as a good person and to do the good and right thing. Yes, Jesus was clear. Nobody can serve two masters, and this guy chose the money he was unwilling to give up on. I remember going through a hard time. The church I had been attending was sometimes referred to as a cult. Despite that, I had defended the church at all times. However, when I realized that in order to be true to all I believed I saw in the Bible, for my own conscience sake, and also to stem a deep depression, the time had come to leave. I asked God over and over, why? Why did he allow these things to happen to me? He kindly showed me that he had meant it for the good. Without going into it completely, looking back, I can say that I'm glad that I went through the hardships, as it has obviously shaped me into the person I am today. The lessons, though tough, have helped me to have deep roots in the faith, and I'm grateful for the people who helped me through a rocky, through rocky patches. And they were rough patches of plenty. Many times, when I wondered about all the people who had said that they loved me and were now nowhere to be found. Those who said they cared, who did not even bother to find out how I was after all the tears. I thought of all the years I had given up things in order to serve the church. Then I read 
1 Corinthians 15 verse 58 again. That no labor in the Lord is in vain. I've clung to that. I will read the scripture to you. It says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. We've been asked to give up almost all of our time to do church work and deny ourselves. I did, and I always joke that I nearly died. Only to feel discarded in the end, and it stung. I felt like I wasted my life, and the place I found myself was well behind, be, behind my peers. It wasn't their fault, there was a whole lot of factors, but seemingly no one cared. Even though I had done what I had been asked to do from the pulpit and leaders' meetings, they were just merely breezingly going on with their lives. The process of forgiving and the unexplained anger I felt lasted two whole years. I wish I could have let go sooner. As soon as I did, life took on a different direction. I experienced phenomenal change for the better. But like I said about the onion, there were many layers, many tears, and it takes as long as it takes. In the end, all that matters is that we forgive. That is the antidote to the poison that threatens to eat away at our bodies and souls if we choose not to take it. Like a person who has received an antidote after experiencing a near-lethal dose of poison, the chance of having life will never be taken for granted again, especially the kind of life that Jesus came to bring us. John 10 verse 10 reiterates that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I, and Jesus for emphasis, have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Close quote. With all that said, let me know if anything has struck a chord. And if there's anything you find particularly hard to forgive, thank you for joining me. We'll chat again for the last time for the season next week. Have a great week. Thank you for lending an ear. If you are new, consider subscribing. And if you feel inclined, please leave a review or let me know your thoughts on Facebook or Twitter.